Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today on the podcast, we're going to look at Psalm 25. And I think as we push further into the Advent season... A word like this one is actually really important because today we're going to reflect on the ways that God guides us and leads us as we seek to be transformed in our hearts and grow with him. So I'm going to read a Psalm of David and then we're going to pray and then just spend some time together thinking about what what the Lord has to say to us. David says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make your ways. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes. And with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my life and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of its troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's look at what the Lord would have to say to us today. God, I pray that you would help us to hear David today that we would hear a man who was working it out even as he wrote and prayed and help us, God, to work out our own life with you one step at a time. Father, help us to hear what you have for us today in the middle of this remarkable season in which all of us are living. God, have mercy on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So so today, here's what we're going to do. This was a long poem. I read 22 verses to you. We're not going to dissect every bit of this. There's too much here, actually. What we're going to do is just stop at certain moments and highlight things that stood out uh, to me, particularly during my time of study and reflection to get ready for this. And it bears mentioning this, that when we sit with such long passages, and you you, you should be reading long passages when you do your daily Bible reading, um, our purpose here is kind of like what we hope your purpose will be in your devotional reading. Not to try to dissect everything, not to try to even like preach a sermon to yourself that covers all the bases, but simply to reflect on the scripture and trust the Holy Spirit to highlight certain things from the text that would land in your heart 
and help make room for God's renewing work. Actually, one of the reasons why we do this podcast the way that we do it, by offering these 10 to 14 or 15 minute devotional thoughts is to help you think about how you can begin to engage the Bible yourself. You don't dissect the Bible. You don't nail it to a wall and try to understand everything in these spaces. That, that, there's another place for that. Study and seminary and um, deep Bible study. What we're trying to do here is really what we hope you'll do in your devotional reading, which is to look for the illuminating work of God and aim it at your heart more than your head so that God's spiritual renewal can happen. So let's, with that in mind, that devotional lens, um, let's look through that devotional lens at this poem. The first thing I want to point out to you is that David intentionally lifts up his soul to the Lord. So before we can go too much further, we have to hear that David made a choice to lift up his soul to God. So what is the soul? What is David actually lifting up? What are we meant to lift up to God? Our soul is the general operating system of our life. It's, it's the combination, the sum total of your mind, will, and emotion. So it's not a little vacuous part in the middle of your heart where Jesus lives. Your soul is sort of biblical shorthand for the entirety of you, your operating system. So David is lifting up the entirety of who he is to God, and he's asking for protection on two areas. As he puts himself before God, he asks God to protect him from shame and embarrassment. He's under threat. He's experiencing difficulty, and he asks God to protect him. He asks God to help him. He asks God to hold his life. So I would ask you this question. Who's holding your life? Is it you? I will admit to you, to my own embarrassment, that there are too many sections of life where I feel like I'm holding my own life in my own hands. And here David is placing his life in God's hands. And it's interesting that the two motivating fears... The two things that I think he realized he couldn't control were feelings of shame and feelings of embarrassment or humiliation. So I would just simply ask you today, look at the landscape of your life and ask questions around where do I feel ashamed and where do I feel embarrassed or humiliated or um, exposed? Those are oftentimes invitation places for us to see our own vulnerability or our own sin. And then rather than try to fix our sin or our vulnerability, On our own strength, we actually hold up our lives to God. David here, rather than trying to solve it himself, maybe he tried and failed. If he's anything like you and me, probably did. He then says, God, I'm going to give you this. So I think a good place for us to start is to ask questions around where do we feel shame? Where do we feel embarrassment or vulnerability? And then intentionally say, God, I'm going to give you those places, my life. The next thing the psalmist says here is, make me know your ways, O Lord. And I find it really instructive that directly after saying, I place my life in your hands, David then asked God to reveal himself and his ways. See, understanding and awareness of the way God moves, the way God works, is essential to growing in trust. And so I would ask you this question, do you believe that God wants to reveal himself and his ways to you? See, here we see that God will respond to prayers like this. If we actually stop and ask the Lord, Lord, reveal yourself to me. And I just wonder when was the last time you prayed a prayer that bold? We pray all all kinds of prayers, but do we often enough pray, God, show me your ways. God, reveal yourself to me. Teach me, lead me, instruct me. See, I believe that in order to see God, 
In order to really be taught by him, we have to actually spend time with God. See, growth will not happen. God won't answer that prayer without you and me then aligning our lives to where I'm actually giving space for this renewing work. You won't grow. I won't grow without some clear investment of time. So if we pray, make me know your ways, then we have to actually make some space for that. The next thing I want to share is this. We're invited to remind God of that which he already knows and to forget that which he wants to forget. And I love the, the, the poet. Here's what the text says. Be mindful of your mercy and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. This reminding is not necessarily to remind God of something he would forget. It's to remind us of what the Lord would never forget. It helps keeps me straight and clear. When I remind God of his mercy and love, I'm actually reminding myself. I call it to mind and I can once again trust him for these good things even when I'm in a dark place. See, God's instinct toward you and me is to show us love and mercy. That's what's in his heart toward us. He knows that we are needy. The question is, do we know that we are needy? See, God's instinct is to look at us. And so when we're told here to remind God, I believe that this is a way for us to remind ourselves. But we're also called to say this, God, do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. Now, why would we be called to tell God to remember certain things he will already remember and then to forget certain things? Because we need to remember that God does not look at us and measure us according to our failures. See, one of the things that we believe sometimes, and this is to our hurt, is that God measures us based on the worst things we've ever thought, said, or done. See, he remembers us, this text says, according to his love and his goodness. That's what the psalmist says, and this is really good news. God looks at you, and he sees you, even your failures, even your shortcomings, even your vulnerabilities, and he looks at those things through the lens of his love and his goodness. I remember many years ago, one of my kids got themselves into a little bit of trouble. And I remember figuring out uh, late at night that this particular child needed my help, and I drove to the scene of the disaster. Uh, and it, it, there were no crimes committed. It was just not a great situation. And when I walked into that disaster area, I looked through instinctually the lens of my love for this kid. And it was real. The mess was real, but the love was real. And the love framed the mess. And it actually brought the two of us closer together. And this was years and years ago. And we're still living in the great goodness, the, the love and the, the intimacy that was born out of that moment where we had a chance to go one way, but we actually went in the right way and it changed everything. And I just want to say that if that can be true for a human parent full of sin, how much more is that not true for God? As I come to think of it, I believe the more you grow to see God this way, the more you'll be able to effortlessly embody this love lens to other people who disappoint you or fail you. God is good and his instinct is to be good. The next thing I want to say is this, God is so good and so he instructs us, leads us, and teaches us when we're weak. Um, listen to what he says. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10 so you can hear it again. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his degrees. 
<laughs> Lord have mercy, I love this. Because what God does and what this passage says is the Lord sees you and me in our weakness and he moves to help us. He doesn't shame us, he helps us. So what should this teach us? I believe one of the most important things that a truth like this should teach you and me is that we do not need to hide or pretend that we do not experience brokenness and vulnerability. Because God is good, we should be free to be able to admit our guilt and our sin and our vulnerability. We don't have to hide. Because what hiding does is hiding keeps you from pardon and absolution, from freedom, from God's instinct, which is to heal us. See, God's instinct is to revoke the sentence of shame that hangs over many of us. But if we don't acknowledge, if we don't admit the places where we feel vulnerable, where we feel weak, where we even sin and fall short, then we actually cut ourselves off from certain aspects of the goodness and the kindness of God. See, shame. Remember, the poet earlier prayed that God would keep him or heal him from shame. See, shame comes to you and to me when we live and behave as if we are guilty. So here, verses 11 and 12. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. Freedom from guilt and shame empowers us to make good choices. Can you hear that? God will teach you the way you should choose when you become liberated from a sense of shame. So what happens when that occurs? Our family dynamics change. Our relationships change. Um, verses 13, 14, and 15, just after what I read, they describe a new trajectory for the, for the redeemed. And here's the new trajectory. Prosperity. Kids live in security. Friendship with God and us being rescued from danger. But y'all, there's something else. It's one thing to have God do good things for us. It's another to feel connected to the good things God's doing. I, I just want to say this as a pastor. I run into people all the time who are experiencing uh, God's blessing, and yet they don't feel like they're experiencing God's blessing. It's like actually happening, right? Good things are actually happening, but we don't feel it. We become disconnected in our feelings. But we're not alone. Toward the end of this psalm that I read, David says, I feel loneliness and affliction. I've got trouble in my heart and distress. And I'm so thankful for David because here he is in the middle of provision, God moving. David is emotionally authentic. He says, good things are happening, but I don't feel it. And you're probably right there. See, just after saying everything he's just said about God's provision, David says, but I feel lonely, upset, and distressed. And many of you listening to me today feel exactly the same way. You look around and think things aren't all that bad maybe in, um, in, in, in a very immediate way today, but I feel really bad. I want to admit to you, I am right there at this present time. My feelings are not matching my reality. I feel worse than I'm actually doing. I was meeting with a mentor of mine just a couple of days ago, and she just said, you know, you're, you're always looking for the, for the downside, the dark side, Chris. What's that about? And I've been sitting with those ideas thinking, gosh, you know, sometimes my feelings don't match the reality of some of the good things God's happening. So what happens? What are we supposed to do with that? God invites us to pray with David, relieve the troubles of my heart. Here's the way the psalm ends. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. That is an amazing word, redeem. Redeem to purchase back, to buy it out of hawk, 
to take it out of that pawn shop shelf and put it back where it was supposed to be. God wants to redeem you and me. And there's so much work that needs to be done for us to prepare our hearts. And so my prayer for you today is that God would guide you and lead you and heal you and that he would show you that your feelings are going to follow the choices that the Lord is asking you to walk into. Our feelings go last. And so, Father, I pray for my friends and I ask for your grace and your mercy. I pray that you would speak a word of peace and comfort to us, that you would guide us through uncertainty and difficulty and show us your hand of mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to continue meditating on what you heard today, take some time to recall an idea or an image that encouraged or challenged you in this episode. When things stand out to us in God's Word, or in our lives, or in what we're reading, or in devotional talks, it often means that God is offering us His help and His guidance. When you have your idea or image in mind, carry it with you as a prayer, coming back to it in the spaces throughout your day. How does it speak to you and where you are right now? What does it say about God and what He wants for you? Speak to Him about these things. Listen for His still, small voice, and respond to Him as simply and as honestly as you can. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you back here again with us next time at Renewing the Center. Mm-hmm.